So I was like home working uh, over the summer and then I would go to Gambia maybe like November, December and I would stay for like five, six months and then come back. And I did that for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also put, because like <laughs> I just prioritize my goal in life for like 10, eight years has been to go to Gambia. Like since I was like 18. Me. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Been on hiatus for a little bit, you know, taking a little summer break from everything. But uh, we back, we back. And uh, this week, welcoming uh, Mummy and the Gay, who is just, you know, super powerful young lady doing great things for her community and others. So, um, yeah, I hope you... Again, as always, listen with an open heart. Um, and yeah, just think about some of the things that we uh, dig into here, which are some heavy topics, but I mean, what is it not? You know what I'm saying? So, um, just for a little bit of uh, context, this is recorded back in July 25th. So, this is before the uh, Black is King, which has come out now since we do bring up Beyonce in the uh, episode I guess her and I are going to have to have a separate uh, conversation about that afterwards but yeah once again by the way no no Beyonce slander ever happens it's just we do we do bring it up so um, yeah I hope you guys listen I hope you enjoy it and uh, yeah peace hello hi Um, would you like to introduce yourself yes Uh, it's like a job interview like my name is Mamian de Gay I'm 28 I'm turning 29 this year I'm from Gothenburg Uh, my mom is Swedish and my dad is Gambian Mm. Mm, I grew up in Gothenburg Um, right now I'm a youth uh, worker and I've been working at a youth center in Hisingen Biskopsgården in Tuslanda uh, for the latest like five years, five and a half. Uh, but right now, uh, I'm just starting to sit more with like um, administration. Like, yeah, administration, exactly. Um, instead of the actual youth work. Mm-hmm. So I'm like into something new, but it's still like the same workplace and same people. It's just different tasks for me to do. Okay. How did you actually end up starting in that realm? Yeah, like like my first job, like my first serious job was at like a daycare or preschool. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> but with no, like I just graduated like gymnasiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started working there and that was just like me looking for every job. Yes. And that was the one that I got. So I was doing that off and on for like maybe four years or something. Mm-hmm. But I was also at this, like I was going to Gambia a lot. My dad is from Gambia. <clears throat> so I was like home working uh, over the summer and then I would go to Gambia maybe like November, December. And I would stay for like five, six months and then come back. And I did that for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also put, because like <laughs> I just prioritize my goal in life for like 10 eight years has been to go to Gambia like since I was like 18 you mean go as a move no like just to go there and like spend five months or something like I just wanted to be in Gambia yes um that's a good goal by the way uh, (laughs) that's a beautiful goal so I've been going I've been going like once and twice a year since I was maybe 17 um but that that also like I did that regardless of me affording it or not (laughs) <laughs> well, I just went so that put me in some kind of uh, tricky situation like financially okay so after me doing that for maybe five six years I realized okay I have to like find a proper job and like you know okay and, um, and be able to do it in yeah, a sustainable way exactly because I was just like I never had like a um, fast chance yeah when I uh, was at the preschool which would be a permanent contract yes yeah. thank you the thing so i will hour, have to do this sometimes worker. to just throw in some swedish oh, absolutely. words <laughs> absolutely. Hey. so because otherwise i will get stuck when people are bilingual i think that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, exactly yeah. wow so yeah you were saying, saying that you were trying to fi- figure out a sustainable yeah way exactly of actually- and the thing is like i enjoyed the preschool because mm-hmm. i like the kids um but Same. um 
it wasn't what I was wanted to do. But I was so then I was like checking around like some job applications, and I was I think do you know Shayla? No. No. Okay. I know Shayla. Is Roxanne's cousin? Lisa's cousin. Uh, Lisa's little sister. Okay. Oh, All right. Never mind. Roxanne's uh, cousin. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was at her apartment. I was just like checking jobs, mm-hmm. and by that time I was working as a um, assistant to a disabled uh, child. Okay. Uh, and I was doing that for like six months, but it was like I was working a lot, and it was like different shifts, night and day, and mm-hmm. you know, I was just doing it to get like it was also nice, but it was not something that I was no. wanted to do. Um, so I found two two jobs. I found this one as a youth worker mm-hmm. in Biskopsgården, and then I found one as like some kind of uh, for Bris, you know, the organization Bris, uh, like Barnes Rätt i Samhället. No. It's like a children rights organization. So they had some kind of job of uh, add out. So I was I applied for that one and I applied for the youth worker. But both of them had required like they you need like some kind of special education and you know and I didn't have that. So I so I was like let me just send it and I like forgot that I send it and then a few months and then uh, they called me and I came for an interview. Um, and I got the job, but they said that for me to get the job, I would have to go to school to mm-hmm. become a youth worker. Uh, and I would do it on distance at the same time as I work, I was working. And they would pay the whole thing and they wow. would pay books and they would pay the traveling. That's very, very good. Yeah. So I actually did that. And it's so funny because I feel like I've never, when I was thinking of what a youth worker does mm-hmm. before I did it. It's like two different things because I feel like uh, I think a lot of jobs are like that. Though. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like maybe, and I think maybe many people think that, like as a youth worker, as like a fritidsledare mm-hmm. uh, in Sweden, you like you drink coffee and you play pool with the kids. So like I feel like that's yeah. some people had, and I would have that kind of view before also because I didn't think about it, mm-hmm. and then I've done it, and I feel like it suits me very well. It's nice. I loved it, and I feel like I, it taught me a lot, and it made me. Because we have a good working place where you have like the freedom to actually work with what you are interested in. Like, so my uh, interests and my like hobbies, I can push those things like into the um, work that we do with the youths. Um, and also, I love the area, like the yeah. youths from I work this there area. Too. Yeah. I worked there too. Um, when I moved here, mm-hmm. I worked at Fisfag Institute. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I was a preschool teacher. That's nice. Uh, I love that place. I mm-hmm. love that place really fond memories of it. Yeah. And like my dad was living in Biskopsgården for many years. I, I never lived, I always lived with my mom, but I went mm-hmm. to see him there. And for me, it was very, and I, I didn't think about that, that like it was very calming for me because I grew up in Mayuna. Um, that was the next question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Mayuna and um, I don't know if I would say, yeah, it's a predominant, pred- okay, now. Predominantly. Predominantly mm-hmm. white area but if you see it from like a class perspective it, when i grew up there it was like more working class and like many like single moms and stuff that like is, that that's what i heard yeah but now, now it's, it's not like that it's more like yeah exactly because of the old buildings and stuff like that do you think that's why yeah, i think so i think it has like this retro hipster kind of feeling you know they always say that mayonnaise like the it's the epicenter of hipsterness. Yes, but I like hipsters. Like I don't know what, what people have against them. I feel it's very, very you know. Yo, look when the revolution happens, as we're seeing right now. Yeah. And like at some point, somebody drops uh, an EMP and just knocks out all electricity. Mm-hmm. We're gonna need people like that hipsters. Can make artisanal like these unnecessary like, skills that they have solid like yeah they can weave baskets mm-hmm. they can um turn their own butter at the crib like <laughs> what i love is how they also now like when they have these uh clad, how do you say apron yeah, yeah, yeah. out of leather mm-hmm. like the ones that people like Brushes. i don't know what kind of yes yes when they have it to like make a pie in the kitchen yeah. It's, it's, fun. it's nice yeah. it's, it's funny yeah. Yeah. so it's, I think it's a very different my mom still lives in Mayuna yeah uh, so I think it's a very it's a different kind of area now yeah, than different. when I grew up we, uh, I lived there for a minute yeah and I feel like uh, many of my friends and in my class like it was a lot of us who didn't have like the traditional family ask as in the sense of like mom dad mm. you know like it was a lot of single moms um, my close friends in my uh, class were 
like mixed or black or some kind of other um, immigrant background. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a lot of black people. Um, I'm sure there were a few like mixed kids. Yeah, Yeah, but not a lot of black people. Um, And I feel like when I started to work in Biscop Squad and I found it very peaceful for me, like for my soul, in a way that I didn't expect it to be because I feel like you're so not... You're not like a stranger. Like no one is going to look at you. No one's going to ask where are you from. Or they might ask where are you from because they just, people just ask each other where they're from because it's interesting. But I feel like it's very interesting that there's so many cultures and people from different backgrounds and religion. And they just, the community that they have there is something I think that Normish, norm Swedish people. I don't know, ethnic Swedish, white Swedish normie? people. Normie, norms, <laughs> normie, normie. Nah. Yeah. Um, yeah, something that people living in more like stronger social. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm using, lax. I'm using fancy words right now. Go ahead. Good. 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 <laughs> um, I think they they kind of lack, or we lack, the community mm. that they have in the suburbs that we have in Sweden. Yeah. And I've explained because in America the suburbs are yeah exactly exactly the suburbs something I've had to explain to a lot of listeners because I have listeners that are around the planet yeah um and a lot of people in the U S have a different clearly a different view Mm -hmm. just to clarify the suburbs here are more of the forced segregation so it's sort of the redlining in reverse as um, the downtown area, the inner city area is more of the, um, desirable place to live. Yeah. Yeah. And then when people come from other cultures, from outside of the country, immigrants, mm. they typically are negated or relegated to live in the suburbs automatically. Exactly. exactly. They're not welcomed. Yeah. I had a, a friend explain that he wouldn't have been able to get his apartment unless he had used his mother's last name because his father's Tunisian. He had to use his mother's, yeah. his Swedish mother's last mm-hmm. name to even get the apartment. Yeah, I still don't have an apartment. It is crazy. Like sometimes it's not only that, but I know that it has played like some kind of part in. Because of your yeah. name. I think so in a way, but I think that's the, um, and as you said also, like if you're from, I think that in Swedish, we only have this one like Farut as you said, like sub- suburb, mm. because we all also have like suburbs like Tuschlanda, which is like a more mm. r- rich, wider area. Yeah, and then Kulavik. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. The big difference is like the social, economic status, I think, of yes. the um, different areas. When um, you were saying Biscops, I also felt the same thing about that. Yeah, like an inner calmness. and pe- Yeah. Two years, mm. um... I'm sure you know Bryce. He started the yeah. uh, Swedish Black Panthers. Mm, okay. And when he had Bobby Steele come. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Matthias actually yes. told me about this not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, so when Bobby Steele came and spoke, mm. he spoke at the lake. Mm-hmm. At the what? At the lake. At the lake. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. That's like, nice. That place That's has, very impressive. Yeah. Yeah, please. For me, also mm. has a really I got a soft spot in my heart. Yeah, and Oof, I, I love it. Dollar now. Yeah, and the reason I mean the reason I bought a house there was because um, my my children go to school on Mastuget, mm. so when they are at my house in our neighborhood, they will hear three or four languages before they even get to school in the mm-hmm. morning. Exactly, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, there's a big park playground um, down the street from the house mm. and you walk through that playground, especially right now in the summer. Mm. Oh man, it's like you'll see everyone. Yeah. And I, my kids and I have a good relationship and we talk about it a mm. lot mm-hmm. about the fact that they don't have that vibe where yeah. with their moms oh, at yeah. all. Yeah. They don't have friends out there at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My daughters play basketball. They yeah. have friends yeah. all over the neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, just to speak to what you were saying, mm-hmm. I definitely 100% feel like when you end up going to that place, mm-hmm. especially now living in a mm-hmm. place like that, 
there's something to be said for seeing yourself mm-hmm. or seeing people that look like you. Yeah, exactly. And just seeing like a diversity. Yeah, but um, feeling like you're out of place. Exactly. And that's the word, out of place. Yeah. I think so, yeah. And also realizing my privilege of like, because I did not grow up in like um, what we call now, I think like a socially economic challenge area, you know? Mm, mm, mm. Even if my situation, like our family situation, me and my mom and my sister had a very rough, like economically, um, we didn't have that in our area in the sense that it didn't bring violence and stuff like that because people we didn't have those kind of uh, those kind of challenges in that area that we see in other like more challenged areas um and i think that set a, set a specific tone for me like when i grew up um it decided how i'm going to talk also like in the sense of like accents just across the Gothenburg you know Um, because I feel like the way that they talk in the suburbs here is not like broken Swedish it's more like it's an accent because like even if you go to Stockholm like now I don't know any any difference but like if you talk to like these people on like I don't know Södermalm or Söder in Stockholm they talk some kind of Stockholmska Mm -hmm. and then if you would go I don't know like to some other place in Stockholm they will talk differently and I feel like it's such so amazing in the suburbs, even in all the suburbs throughout Sweden. Mm-hmm. They've created this their own language mixed with so many, like it's I don't know a hundred languages mixed with Swedish. I love it. Yeah, and they made their own language, and I feel like it's like a it's a culture, you know. And it's a, yeah. That speaks to like multiculturalism. Yeah, period. exactly. But like, but it's seen as a very bad way to talk in the sense of like if you're gonna talk to anyone outside, or if you're gonna apply for a job, or if you're gonna, you, you know, yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I feel like when I when I started, <laughs> it's okay. When I started to work there, I realized the privilege that the way that I speak, the privilege I have in society. Because I will, because I speak proper Swedish. I do these things now. I don't know what we want to call it when I say proper Swedish. Um, uh, finger, finger quotes don't really work so well on uh, audio <laughs> medium, but you know, you got there, you. People get what you do. <laughs> no, but I mean like proper Swedish in the sense, like the norm, like yes. the people they were supposed to talk. Um, so accept, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, the respectable, I yeah. Guess. So it means that I will have access to rooms that people who have these the other accent that they have yes. in suburbs, yes, 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 and yes. also like even my colleagues who are just as like qualified as me, even like more experienced or whatever. Mm-hmm. If I make a call, generally not, I think not consciously from the other person. It's not like the other person is going to be like ha ha ha. Now I'm going to be mad. But I like if I call and I ask something because in the way that I talk, unless I don't say my name, I could just as well be like Lisa Svensson. And a Brit. You know, Um, so they're going to take me seriously and they're going to, you know, but maybe if my coworker uh, calls and asks the same thing, he's going to talk in a different way and they're going to, you know, not get the same respond. We call that. Uh, intersectional intersectionality. Well, with yes. the fancy words. Yeah, well, okay, all right. <laughs> you, you talking with ten dollar words? I'm going back to no. We call that the um, the uh, white woman customer service voice. <laughs> I have I have black friends who are women uh, that funny. say I'm gonna have to put my white woman customer service voice on yeah. when they make certain phone uh-huh. calls, which is also, as uh, we spoke off mic about, mm. is something that uh, my other uh, podcast, my uh, me and I talk about, like being able to code switch in that way. Mm-hmm. And it comes off mm. as, oh, I should respect you more. Mm-hmm. The respectability thing mm. is always... It's always a really hard thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like, in the same token, like I have a lot of visible tattoos, mm-hmm. and we're at this, <laughs> we're at this kind of fancy, fancy mm-hmm. um, hotel breakfast. I got like gold rings on, and like 
mad visible tattoos. I'm wearing a basketball jersey. Mm. And like, they automatically assume one thing about me mm. without knowing me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So it, it then comes into play when later I'm calling the hotel because we're late to check out. And I throw on, you know, mm. white woman service. Oh, hi. Oh, my God. I'm so worried. Uh, yeah, the taxi's late. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I fully understand. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. I didn't mean to take over. No, it's good. Uh, it's interesting to listen to. But, jeez, uh, the code switching. It is yeah. intersectionality. That's the, yeah, exactly. Um, so I think it also made me think and realize a lot that I'm like even I'm even if I'm like a black woman in Sweden, mm-hmm. um, the person who I am also gives me a lot of privileges yes. that I can think I can decide how I use it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a power. Yeah, it is. It is, and also it's very. You have to be. I think you have to be very humble and also very like. Which also makes me very crazy sometimes because I feel like, okay, if I can see that, like, I'm, I'm light-skinned and I'm um, heterosexual and um, I speak proper, quote-unquote, proper Swedish. <laughs> well, if you direct translate Rensfeska, it's clean Swedish. Clean it's, Swedish. It's I'm weird. sorry. Proper. No, I feel I like mean, that's my... Cause it, it took me a long time to understand that. I was like, ew, that sounds wrong. Why would you say clean Swedish? Clean Swedish, yeah. It sounds a little... Yeah, proper. I think proper. Mm. We use proper in Gambia a lot. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, no. Uh, especially being like a cis woman and a heterosexual woman and all these kinds of things. And <laughs> these white people would be like, privilege? Me? No. I've never... <laughs> you know, I've had this rough and la 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 and na na na. And I feel like... I think sometimes when you tell a white person, like, okay, you have white privilege, that they think that because of the white privilege, that means that they would, they've never had any hardships in their lives. But I feel like, no, no, you can have had the worst life, but it's not going to be because of your color. It's you not, know? Yep. And I, I, <clears throat> I talk about this where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. You can have, you know, a, hard life you could be having a super great day Mm. everything is going great you got a Mm. new job you start a new relationship Mm. and then somebody needs to in their eyes look at you and be like oh and put you back in your place by calling you out of your name yeah and like i think i think that that's the first step for everyone especially white people and especially white men and especially white straight men to take a good hard look at themselves and just be like okay because we were talking about okay if this situation if it's a white guy who's he has like a shit life for example he's maybe homeless and he's been to many many traumas mm-hmm. it's very sad and he's so entitled to his pain mm-hmm. but he's not there because of his color no like if it was a black person there or like any you know if it was like a trans person or whatever the chances of that person being there because of what he or she is, yes. is big. But if you're a white person, you're not there because of your color. You're there because of other circumstances. Maybe class. Kind of in spite of. You know, yeah, exactly. Kind of in spite of, exactly. And because I think especially kind of- many, many mm-hmm. white men who are not in that position that of power. And then when you talk about... Um, white male privilege I think they get like provoked because they feel like they don't have access they, ha- they don't have access to this that is supposed to be like in- like something they're so entitled when the world has been built for you yeah and you still can't thrive in yeah it, it's gotta be angry yeah exactly it. exactly and you don't have any kind of like ana- like analyze about society and then I think it's very easy to be like no no I have no you know I've done this I've worked hard I see no color, la la la, just walk the kumba. You know, it's just like very, um, but that's, it's a very privileged way to analyze society as well. To think it that is. everyone has the same. We, yeah, we didn't yes. all start, we didn't yeah. start off at the Man, same start exactly. Line. Yeah. exactly, yeah. Oh my God. So, um, can you take a break real quick? Yeah. All right, be right back. Sure. 
And we're back. Yes. Um, so, can I ask you the, the crux of the, the, the conversation that always happened? Where are you from? <laughs> and what do you say when people ask? I say in, in Sweden, mm-hmm. I say that I am Swedish and Gambian. But if someone asks me out of, outside Sweden, mm-hmm. where are you from? If I'm anywhere else, I usually say, I, I say Sweden. Okay. Usually. And how do you feel? That, like, because we talked about it again off mic. Mm-hmm. Um, like, do you feel like it, uh, like there's any kind of follow up questions that people are expecting when you're outside of Sweden? I think it depends on where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I was living in Norway for like six months, maybe. And then obviously they heard that I was Swedish, but yeah. even was, so when they asked, I knew that it was, you know, but yeah. then I would always say like Sweden just to be like, you know, but then they were like, so where are you really from? La la la. <laughs> um, when I was in America, I, I said Sweden, um, but then it was more like, what do they have black people there? And yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> I have cousins that still think I live in Switzerland, so yeah. it's cool. <laughs> um, and when I'm in like other European countries, um, sometimes I'm mis- like they, they assume that like I'm Black American often, which is weird. And I think that this also because their English is often kind of bad. Okay. So they can't really tell by the accent. Right, right. So I don't know. I think it's because the because I'm mixed or whatever. Like they, it's like. American, American. I'm like, no. No, 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 no. Um, you said that with a little energy. Like, <laughs> I'm just playing, I'm just playing. No, no, no. Um, no, so I feel like it's different, but I f- um, I'm very, like, because before I used to say, like, I'm half Swedish, half Gambian. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to stop saying that because I feel like I don't need to be half anything. Um, so I can be like fully Swedish and I can be fully Gambian. Yes, ma'am. So that's what I usually answer. No. Mm. Because like when I ask and I know that I am coming from a place of privilege, but I'm also in no way I'm asking bloodline wise. Mm-hmm. I'm asking literally like mm-hmm. place that mm-hmm. you are from. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so I don't, I do feel like for me, I never have the follow up though. So like, no, but I can imagine. You mean in Sweden too? Yeah, like yeah. I was in Malmo mm. the weekend. I was with a friend who is Ugandan, mm. and the brother, of course. And this is sad state of affairs, but brother that was sweeping the floor saw us get on the elevator, and I said hello to him because mm. he was also mm. uh, restocking the towels in the gym, and he was like, "Hey, where y'all from?" And she's like, Uganda. And I'm like, America. And he's like, all right, I'm from Gambia. And mm. it, wasn't, mm. it wasn't a thing. Like, no. the elevator doors were about to close. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And like, I held the door. Yeah. I was like, all right, man. Mm-hmm. Good to see you. And, like, it wasn't, there was yeah. nothing else that needed to be said. Yeah. It was just. No, but I feel like sometimes, because um, I feel like everywhere I go, mm-hmm. when I see, when you see black people, there's always something, like some kind of, hey, la, la, you know, a little, the you know. Exactly. There's a podcast called The Nod also. Okay, 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 okay. Um, But I can imagine you being an American, and especially if you talk English to someone, and then if they ask you, I can imagine, like, where are you from? And you say America. Usually say New Jersey, and they always translate that to Nigeria, but... Okay, interesting. But then I can imagine if... Because you know that I sometimes... Up till this date, mm-hmm. sometimes I meet Swedish people, and it's not just white people; it's just people that grown up in Sweden. <laughs> I've had them like look that white American art, like Beyonce or you know Fifty Cent or whatever. And they're like, I wonder where they're from. I'm like, they're American. They're like, no, but I mean, like they have to be from somewhere. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. I'm like, we have to have a history. Do you think yeah. that all these black people is like you know? And but I think it's I don't even I don't. Oh, we live in so different worlds. Like, you know, like when you, some people, when they say something, you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I have had, I have had follow-up questions here. And they want to know where you're from outside it's, America. It's almost always African people that want to do it. And I've had this conversation on my other podcast and even on this one where 
I've had to come to the realization that I'm not African. Mm-hmm. And that only happened after I moved here. Imagine that, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, as a kid, like being from a black city and like I'm from also a city that is has a huge culture of the five percenters, mm. which is, um, well, it's, it's all right. So, um, if you have the nation of Islam, mm. then you have the five percent nation, which is sort of a more militant, um, offshoot of that. Okay. Yeah. Um, the nation of gods and earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so like me growing up in that environment, meant that we were always taught that we are Africans that have been kidnapped. Yeah. Which we which you are, yeah. were. Yeah. But then when you get outside of America, it is very clear, nah, bro, you are American, 3,000%. Because, like, I'm the only one out of a good 100, no, probably 200-something direct descendants of, you know, my, both sides of my family, my mother and father. Mm-hmm. Like when my mother's side, when we have family reunions, mm. it's over a hundred people. Mm, so interesting. we have been there for hundreds of years. Mm, of course. And coming here, <laughs> having conversations, they're like, oh no, 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 chill out. You you American. But like the the second question though definitely has come more from African people. Mm. And it's not in a malicious no, way. No, 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 it's no, no. more like, oh man, like they feel kind of sad for you. Some people do. Yeah. Some people, ah, I get it a lot from. But also maybe they like, you should want to know your, like, you know. But there's literally no way. Exactly. That's and the that's thing. that's the hard thing to explain. Thing. Like, bro, my aunt, who was a historian, traced our roots 200 years back mm-hmm. to Georgia. Mm-hmm. Like, where, yeah. we are, where we were yeah. sitting when she. Yeah, died. no, it's very, it's literally impossible to know. Exactly. So, like, having. Somalian people walk up to me and start talking and I'm like, ah, I don't know what you're saying. And then like, do you think, but I can imagine that people would sometimes assume that you're Somalian. Somalian, I get Ethiopian and also Nigerian too. Mm, yeah. And I'm like, yo, I might actually be mm. <laughs> 200 years, yeah. 300 years. But I can imagine as soon as you open your voice, they're like, okay. Yeah. So like that always happens. And mm. then I'm like, stuck in this weird place where of course I don't want to I don't want to look down upon or try and hide my roots mm-hmm. but I cannot ever disrespect the fact that my family built America mm-hmm. exactly. my family built it mm-hmm. we fought in all the wars mm-hmm. like directly my mm-hmm. family my mm-hmm. father was in the air force mm-hmm. like yeah it's it's a it's a weird. weird I think it's thing a very fine line because it's I can hard. understand because I see the other side. Like maybe if it's a person from any African country, mm-hmm. um, and you say, "So where are you from? Where are you from?" He's like, "I don't know," you know. And if they say, "But you're African," and you say, "No, no, I'm not African. I'm American." I can Im- imagine how they feel. Like, why are you denying where you're from? But at the same time, I, I would also I would feel as a person who who is African also mm-hmm. when when Black Americans get to and they're like we are african and we are doing this and that mm-hmm. we're Af- do do- <laughs> uh, do- doing this and this um okay i was in america i've been there once mm-hmm. for 10 days so i i'm not gonna i cannot say too much um but but culture just like the whole planet yeah <laughs> but this but i mean like um the kind of questions that I would get from black people there because we mostly moved around in black areas which I loved mm-hmm. and I, I didn't expect I've never seen like because when you, I came come to America it's like a very western you know it's a west it's the western country and seeing so many black people in a western context is very different from from me being in Gambia yeah um, I can imagine yeah so it was very interesting to see that kind of community because we were um, we were in uh, Crenshaw and we were in Inglewood and we were like just were you in Hawthorne at all? Where? Hawthorne? The thing is like I was That's where my family is yeah. that's why I'm asking Okay <laughs> I have no idea because we, we rented a car and we just went around Okay alright alright um, But we went to like some bookstores and some restaurants and stuff like that Did you hit the sloss and swap meat? Is that a restaurant? No 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 it's a swap meat It's like Swap meat Yeah don't worry about it It's where my aunt the one that I just talked about, who was the historian. Yeah. She used to 
Oh, man. When I, the first time I went as a kid to visit them at 13, she made us get up at 7 a.m. every day uh. to pull the car up, open the trunk, uh. set up a table, and sell just stuff that she had bought at the thrift store for yeah. twice as much. Yeah. She was a hustler. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I was just, I was yeah, just yeah, wondering. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that place too. Yeah, no, so it was, it was interesting to see, but... So I met a lot of black people and like when I went to in taxis and Ubers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I find I was finding like the questions that they would ask about me and about Africa in general and the way that they were talking about Africa sounded sometimes like white people here would talk about Africa. And that's, that's because they talk about logical. it as a country and they have a very fixed like perception of what Africa is uh, and stuff like that. And it was also very like, okay, I was in a taxi car and it was like a black driver. And he started talking to her and she's like, so where are you from? I'm from Sweden uh, and Gambia. He's like, no, are you from Gambia for real? You're from the motherland, la la la. And I really wanted to go, I really want to go there. And all, you know, all these things. He's like, so I don't understand. Like, are you here from on vacation? Like, it was weird to him, I think, that he, like I was from Gambia and I was tra- traveling and, you know. But at the same time, I was like, I'm from Sweden as well. Okay. You know, but the fun, the thing is, he was but just. I, I have so many questions. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was, not? but he, he was very excited, and he was like, when I was hearing the words, like, have a safe trip back to Africa. I was like, my God. Um, but it also because we went to this. Uh, I think I was uh, writing it to you on Instagram when yes. we were talking. Yeah. About this like Black Girl Magic event, mm-hmm. which was amazing, and it was organized by this organization, Black Girl Magic, uh, and they're based in LA, I think. Yes. And they did this thing that we call Black Mar- Black Girl Magic Homecoming Tour or something. Okay. And they went uh, around different cities in America mm-hmm. uh, and had this kind of meetings. And it was like an, about ancestral healing. Um, and it's interesting. And it was very like um, powerful to be there. And it was like around 40, 50 black women. I think we were in like downtown LA somewhere. But it was like... All of them, and it was me and two of my friends. They were from. It's me and my friend. We're both Gambian and Swedish, and the other uh, one is uh, Nigerian and Thai. So we're talking about this ancestral healing and everything. It was so interesting, and it's like to hear their stories. Uh, in that sense, we all three of us being from Sweden, you know, we're very privileged in the sense that when it comes to school and when it comes to like, it was very. I don't know how to explain. There's a different kind of poverty in America that we don't have here. Yeah. So it's hard for us to relate and like the struggle, like also of being like a black person in America. It's yeah. even if we have it hard, it's different ways, different kind of history and everything. Yeah, and also, yeah, and exactly. A different, there's a different racism here that is a yeah. lot more covert. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah, I definitely understand. Yeah, and, uh, but it was so powerful to listen to and I was, I was just crying most of the time. I was like, I'm in a movie. I don't understand. Like, you know, yeah. I, I felt like I'm in a movie. Also because like all these black American women, they were talking. It was just so inspiring. Um, and then they were not, you know, like, okay, how are they going to overcome this ancestral trauma? Which it is, you know, and I think this is very, it was very interesting to listen to what they had to say. But, uh, and then they had, but this, they had like this kind of ceremonies, you know, yeah. that they were talking about is African uh, la la la. And, you know, it's, it's so many different um, cultures, uh, cultures and, you know. And I think this one specific was from Nigeria, but also in, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just a very generalized way to talk about it. Yeah. And it was like itching in me in a little, like the way that they were talking about Africa as you know, one place. Yeah. And like this, you know, that there, it's so much diverse, you know, and it's a normal place where people do normal things. You know, we're not yeah. all in huts and the trees, you know. And I do understand. Yeah. And so it was just very, very different. Um, but also it made like very clear that we are also Swedish because like in the beginning, we we're going to do this little like thing to get in the mood. So we we're going to stay, stay up and then we we're going to like just pick one person in the room and we we're going to like give that person like compliments just to like, um, loosen up a little, you know? Right, right. And I feel like Americans are very much more expressive. Love bombing. 
<laughs> yeah, something like that. You know, right. much more expressive than we are in Sweden. You know, yeah. we're much more like you don't really talk to people. You know, and we can get a little bit uncomfortable. Yes, yes. And yes. I feel like that's the gift that you Americans have that you're so expressive. It's easy for you to talk, and no matter where you're from, you sound like never mind. And then, no. Yeah, <laughs> you can just see us three Swedish people like, are we going to stand now? What are we going to? You know, it was hard right. for us to be that expressive just because you know yeah. it's a big culture thing. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting. But it's. But also like not in that group, but like other, you know, I was like one guy who was like, yeah, I went to Nigeria, South Africa, but he didn't like. He's like that he they, he wasn't um, welcomed as he thought, you know. Yeah. He's like I didn't feel at home, and I was like, yeah, but also like it's not, people are not gonna stand about. and wait until you guys come and be like welcome, you know what you know what I mean? Like yeah, like they expect. I don't know what they well, expected. Well, people I think, to it, be I think that's, mm. that's a that's a really huge thing that good god we're gonna have to talk about multiple times Uh like as people a part of the whole thing that i was saying about africans again wanting to question over and over and over and over where i'm from Uh and me finally just going look man my mother's cervix what what you want Uh like and when i say something about look i don't have a place to call home yeah, and I think that's African. Well, some African people will look at me like I am completely insane, mm. and they'll be like, well, "What you mean?" I think there's a huge disconnect between African Americans and people from the continent in a lot of ways. I think there's a lot of people on both sides mm. that don't understand each other and don't have knowledge of each other in the same way at mm. all. Mm-hmm. And I definitely a thousand percent understand what you mean because we. Yes, we Americans have a really, really, really strong urge to have a place called home. Which I totally understand. And we have to say, this is one of the parts of the reason why I'm doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. Also, because there are Afro-Swedes, there are, mm-hmm. there are people from all different diasporas that mm-hmm. live here also. And they should also be allowed to call this home. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's super hard. I've never been to the continent. and we will we will plug <laughs> uh, your business with Roxanne also, but I'm getting emotional about mm-hmm. it because yes, we have a very strong connection to the continent, but we don't know what that connection is. Mm-hmm. So I do understand both sides. I exactly, do understand that people on the continent are like, so what the fuck? What you want? Mm. You want the 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 opening of um, the Lion King or some shit? Mm. When you get here? Yeah, a little bit like, exotic, like, like you know, exactly. Yeah. Like people then, have jobs, they go to work, they have their lives, they like, <laughs> you know. I got mouths to feed over here. Yeah. I am not worried about your ass coming to visit. Exactly. But then also from us, we have the perception again of like, yo, we were stolen. We have been taken. Which you have. We do not know our history. Mm-hmm. We want to come home. Exactly. And I feel like that's the part that got me so emotional at the event. Because I felt like it was such a strong urge of finding home. You know, this. And that's what they talked about a lot. Like finding home within their self, within their, you know, everything. Uh, and these black women, they, like I got goosebumps. Like it was like even one of the girls who was hosting it, she had like shaved her head. This is the only like that's why I shaved my head because because I was so inspired by. It. I'm like, can I just be this woman? <laughs> um, and it was a lot of women there and girls from the south mm-hmm. uh, who which have moved up. And I feel like like there's what they thought. I was like, is this really happening? You know, and I know this. You know that the Great Migration. Um, yeah, no, no, no. But just like their life stories, their experiences. Um, growing up as a black woman and sometimes a black woman from a very like hard financial situation mm-hmm. what they have to go through what they have to you know and also with the colorism that's a factor within all the you know with, yes. within us as a black community um no it's very inspiring but it was also very like even like after they wanted to do like an interview with me like a few they was like is anyone volunteering <laughs> yes i'm here <laughs> that was what actually happened uh, and i was like they're like okay what's your name like mommy and they were like oh it's like a wakanda name i'm like yeah. uh, no it's a gambian name i'm wolof <laughs> fana fana 
Oh my god! You know, and I I get what that that comes from because yes. you have a very strong urge of like the belonging. Yes, because exactly, in exactly. So I feel like I understand that some Black pe- Americans feel like they're entitled to some African culture, um, but I think it's a very fine line of you know appreciating and appropriating because. The thing is, like, I'm, I've only been to Gambia, so I can only talk about Gambia. And I think that's all people don't. And that's not only Americans. That's the whole world who's outside Africa, mm-hmm. that they think that Africa is this one place. Like, it's so big. It's so different communities. Like, even if you go to, I don't know, South Africa and you feel like, OK, this is not this wormy Kumbaya place that I wanted. But there's going to be one place in the whole of continent where you're going to get this experience that you want to because it's 52 countries with like many yeah. many millions they can you know <laughs> yes. like people that come to sweden they feel like oh people are cold here in sweden yes but then you can go to turkey and people are very open you know because it's on the same continent no. Um, no we were talking about kind of like black cultural appropriation yeah and i think that but i think also that it's a conversation that needs to be had very much among black people mm-hmm. like not white people thinking anything about anything but like it's yes. a conversation that maybe not to be had. exactly exactly <laughs> we need to do this as my mother would say yeah we don't need to talk about everything in front of company yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly because uh, i think that's the thing that we need to have because for me also when you when i look at like these uh, black artists and hip-hop artists and stuff and r&b artists, which i love you know this is the music that i've grown up with this is the music that i love but it's like a trend now to jump on this african train um, and i also feel like mm, i don't know because also now the thing because these this afrobeat came up and it's main was mainly of course from african artists from different countries in africa but now they're kind of taking the beat and they make more music um <laughs> <laughs> it's not only me making sound I just need everyone to know that yes yeah and now like if I don't know names when it comes to artists that's my problem but like with someone in America they do a song with Afrobeat thing they're gonna make more money no doubt but I think it, but like you're a thousand percent correct yeah um, where does the drum come from yeah you feel me like exactly. where does literally all music come from? and i feel like hip-hop and rap it's a beautiful like that's very that's very like black american culture which it's, it's so is rock and roll so is exactly country, but which so i feel like which i feel like it's R&B. something that takes they should like it's enough but you it know all, what i mean but, but, but it, it comes from there from you know yeah. what i mean but which i mean that I understand that you want to influence with like your roots kind of cultures, but you already have your own culture. About, you know what, what about, I mean? Yes, but what about like I was gonna say? Mm-hmm. I was about to say about Spain, like salsa, like all of South America that is full of black people, mm-hmm. that is full of people that were also slaves. Exactly. Um, all of the different musics from there, the mm-hmm. whole bossa nova from Brazil mm-hmm. and. Like all of us, mm-hmm. and I say us as people from the diaspora, from exactly. the African diaspora, in different parts of the world, mm-hmm. we have always created music, and that music has a direct influence from the continent. Mm-hmm. I do not agree with um, appropriating now in Ex- that matter. Thank I, you. That's I, what I feel I mean. you. No, I'm, I'm uh-huh. a thousand percent mm-hmm. with you, but like, I think that on a whole, Music has, uh, I don't want to, yeah. I don't give a fuck. White people going to be mad mm. whether or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, black people mm. of the diaspora have created all music. Yes, of course. All styles. Mm. I don't care if you're talking about folk music here. That shit is influenced from what? Mm. From American folk, country music, reggaeton. Reggaeton, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like, that was a weird mesh. But I loved it. <laughs> My goodness. Wow. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think- no, and I feel like that's, uh, and I think what you said is it's one of the most beautiful thing I feel about black people, that you have this music that's influenced from the continent, but it shows in different kind of ways regarding mm. the cultures. Yes. So there's no need, I yeah. feel like, You're right. to be like, Okay, but now I have to get get my own culture culture because it's like you have this very rich 
cultured. Yeah, we export you it. Know? We export, export all, it. all that music. Exactly. Yeah. And also knowing that, okay, as a black American rich artist, mm-hmm. of course, you're never gonna, you're still black. But I also feel like racism and capitalism and like class perspective go very, you know, so as soon as you get money, you're kind of like in the white world. You drink it. You drink. You know? You drink it. Exactly. <laughs> and I feel start, like I'm not start. as provoked. I'm just going to say this. And this is not people, people white people are going to be like, fuck this. But it's like, I'm not as provoked by rich black people as rich mm. white people. Because I feel like, oh, you know, let the person just relax for one generation. You know, live just a little. Now. Just now. Yeah. Just now. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, so I feel like as a, the privilege that comes with that kind of money and the power and the, within the class system, mm-hmm. as a black artist in America, you if you don't understand that if you have you go to Nigeria for your like spiritual week for two weeks and you stay in this very very luxurious hotel and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you pick some beats there, some necklace there, some right. clothes there. But you don't get burned, boy, to do... You go back and you do the track and you make all this money, which means that the actual artist that you, you know, is not going to get booked, it's not going to get... You know what I mean? Um, What's it? Um, I, I feel like Drake does this a lot. I have no idea about this, but yeah. I hear people talk. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. He, he started talking with Patois and like... Bro. Yeah, and those things are like, you don't have to do this. Like you have this... And, and But I so feel, I think that what we're like starting to talk about, I still feel the like urge of be like, okay, but this is, let's go back home. Yeah. But I just think that the, like, the conversation needs to be had within black people. Also because... With in, in Europe, if you take a black American and a black African, the black American is going to be above Louder. the black African. Oh, yes. Uh, in the mm-hmm. eyes of white people. Yes. We have a close, and that is the proximity yeah. to whiteness. Exactly. Just because of how yeah. our country is, as you said, mm-hmm. in a westernized world that we have been, you know, brought up in, mm-hmm. we. I say this all the time. I was forced in school mm. to con- and not even in just in school, but even via culture, via TV shows and movies. I have read so many books, seen so many movies, watched so many TV shows about little white boys and their dogs. Mm. I know them. Mm. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, exactly. So, like, I highly doubt it's the same for someone the exact same age as me that is coming from the continent. I highly doubt that we have the same proximity mm-hmm. to understanding whiteness, to exactly. understanding how to function in the white world, mm-hmm. how to code switch, mm-hmm. how to maneuver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I get it. And I think that that conversation is so important. I think, I think it's uh, very important. But that also, because I, I, you know, also with black people coming from Europe and America, mm-hmm. um, that is also our, like, African voices needs to be included and heard like people that actually live in, in Africa because that's the only way I think that black Americans can also find that home that they need also understanding that okay we are not Africans but I can still get knowledge I can still appreciate the culture but I don't have to say that I'm Hausa from Nigeria just because I, you know what I mean like because some people they, they just like lash on yeah they like okay I just saw this tribe because Beyonce did this and this so now I'm gonna be like you know, first mm. of all, mm. I love Beyonce, so let's not talk shit. Oh, about hey, her. you get you was the one that brought it up. Do you see how I got mad with myself? Yes, I'm like, did, what? Did. did I just talk shit about me? Also, I did see the. I've, I've been I seeing. Just, uh, I've been seeing the heat she's getting on Black Instagram and Black Twitter. Yeah, which is, I think, uh, it's good. And I never, because yes. I've always put her on a pedestal. And I always like had like I cannot be friends with people who say anything bad about her. But now I also with age I understand that I have You're to be human. more. <laughs> You're all human. You know, and that's the thing. You're um, And she's like also jumping on this trend, mm-hmm. as many other black with like this African inspired. And I feel like instead of doing that, you don't have to do that. But you could could you get just... you could get knowledge about anything happening in an African country, and then use your platform to lift someone from that country then go yes. to Ghana pick a person yes put them on the show and then yes. go do you know and you can sit and ask them these questions you don't have to put these necklace or these mm. or these you know I'm gonna show you something mm. after we get off um, the mic but we have gone very long yeah I was gonna say I 
Is this still the presentation? Did you see that you asked me one question? <laughs> but that's the beautiful part about that's the beautiful part about it. It's literally a conversation. Yeah. And mm-hmm. as you just said, the mission here is to have black voices heard. Yeah. It, well, not just black voices, just a diversity of voices heard. Mm-hmm. I want to say thank you so much for sharing your time, your mm-hmm. energy. Mm-hmm. Um and would you like to please uh, tell the listeners about your business? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Here's this is the plug. <laughs> yeah. No, but first I just want to say thank you for asking me to come. It's very nice. What? It's good for my. Now I'm drained with the from like hearing my own voice, but it's good for me. I like to talk, so it's good for me to do this. And it was very very interesting. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm with my friend uh, and my sister and life partner, Roxanne. Um, we started a business in Gambia a few years ago, which we called New Dem Travels. And we've been running it for like three years, but we've been like an official company for like maybe a year and a half. Okay. Um, and we focus on, we want to be, we're based in Gambia. Yes. And the connection to Gambia is my my dad is Gambian mm-hmm. uh, and I've been there a lot since I was little and Roxanne has traveled in Gambia for over 10 years. Yes. So, and tourism is big in Gambia. So we wanted to be like a sustainable option, I would mm-hmm. say, for tourists that comes to Gambia. So we provided uh, accommodation and um, uh, trips and experiences and uh, events whatever like anyone if someone was like i'm turning 25 we could organize a party and it was very like customized very like small we wanted it to feel like okay maybe you want to go somewhere you want to have the all-inclusive experience Mm -hmm. but to go to example for a hotel in gambia to an all-exclusive hotel you benefit you don't benefit the gambian economy and in any way because the money goes back to the european uh, companies and the they're not I don't As know. As we know that it. that's they're explore, exploring like the situation yes. that they're in. Uh, so we didn't want to like we wanted to be like the connection between the local people who the are local in the economy. The local like the local uh, people who are in uh, the industry of like tourism in Gambia. Mm-hmm. So we didn't own our own boat or cars or whatever. Like we had people, like we would have a so we we were we only wanted to work with Gambian owned businesses. So then we would find different kind of drivers, you know, yes. that we would be using. Uh, we would use like a guy who has uh, has a boat to be, to like to go on uh, boat cruises with him and stuff like. So we would be the connection yes. uh, between. And for us, it was very important to. I'm talking like what, like it's over. Yes. It's just because of the corona. Yeah. I feel like everything is. Um, we wanted like it was very important for us to have like fair work conditions to not be this um, abroad company who came and like just pushed the wages down. So. And probably also extracted um, money and took it out of the country. Exactly, exactly. That's why you wanted to be uh, based in Gambia. So mm-hmm. the taxes that we would pay would go back to Gambia. Yeah, so that's what we did. Then I was there now, I went in November mm-hmm. 2019 and I was going to stay until like June, July, this now. Until yeah. around now. Um, and it was working fine in the beginning uh, and then Corona came, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and all the tourists went away. But also me and Roxanne has been talking, so I'm not going to say too much, but we're going to have like a sit down, talk a little, uh, what New Dam is going to be in the future. Uh, we're going to do some kind of little change mm-hmm. also because tourism like the way we travel today is not sustainable we cannot do this wow. like we're doing it so we're we're going to have a little sit back and then we're going to come with a big comeback new okay. comeback because it's a it's, it's it's like a piece of a new dem is a piece of a bigger plan yeah so we're going to hear it's going to be a lot but we have one instagram called new dem travels uh, where you can see like uh, pictures and movies from our like different trips and also like some information about Gambia and we write about slavery or something, you know. Which is perfect. And I will be putting it in the show notes mm-hmm. when this episode comes out. Yeah. But we have a lot of content on our Instagram. Okay. And a lot of like information and, you know, so you can just check it out if you want to have. And if you have to travel anywhere yes. when this is over, come to Gambia. 
and I will be talking off mic about trying to get my children and I to go to the continent for the first yes. time. And then I will say Gambia is the first, very, very good first. Absolutely, absolutely. Again, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh my God. Yes. I appreciate it. And thank you everyone for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Talk to you next week. Yeah. Peace.